RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Thursday morning here at RCR on our breakfast show is our Money Talks morning. Farzan Arani joins us. And I know many of you want to hear what Farzan has to say as we kind of join the money dots. And that's what we've been doing over the last month or two. And Farzan is back with me. Hi, Farzan. Great to have you back. Hope you're well. Yeah, I'm keeping well, Paul. Uh, good morning to you and the listeners once again. Excited. Okay, so I think in, in military terms, this is a target-rich environment this morning. We have so much to talk about. Let's start with the obvious one because people have been um, sort of mulling this one over, trying to understand what it means. And if you remember the first program we did, my question to you, one of the first questions to you was, what do you think Jacinda Ardern was doing walking out the headquarters of BlackRock in New York, I think November, October, November last year. Well, we might have, what, had the answer to that yesterday with the announcement of BlackRock essentially, what, bankrolling and its climate-related uh, decarbonisation investment in New Zealand to the tune of $2 billion. We know that's the change off the dollars for BlackRock. It's not much. It's like buying a coffee uh, for them, uh, given that they manage, I think, in the multiple tens of trillions of assets globally. Some people say they're the third largest economy in the world. So what do you make of what happened this week with BlackRock? Oh, it's funny, mate. We're going to hear that name more and more. Um, I had told, um, well, my opinion on all of this is they get their chief funding from the Federal Reserve, which is close to peanuts, and they're going to buy up stuff around the world. Um, they're doing it for the powers that be. And um, land and sovereignty is in question right now, uh, as this story uh, kind of highlights, whether they use it for climate change or whatever. It's um, something I mentioned to you, I read on the weekend as well. Um, Scotland, supposedly, uh, their ministers are talking about, there's an article out there where they chopped off 16 million trees. Look at this brain dead policy, Paul. They chopped off 16 million trees to make way for green energy farms. Does any of that make sense to you? No. <laughs> so uh, BlackRock's going to come in and buy and stuff, as I said, whether it's commercial property or lots of residential property. Uh, they'll say they're trying to save the economy. It was so great they came in and did this for us. Um, most people might also not know that one of our bigger banks, um, I'm just putting it out there, uh, ASB's wealth management is done through BlackRock. So BlackRock is the one, if your superannuation and stuff is invested with ASB, it is done through BlackRock. I'm not sure uh, who the other banks are with. Um, but yeah, it's 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 quite a story, mate. Uh, I'll let you explain it a little bit better to our listeners. Yeah, because um, one thing, because I've now got a very suspicious mind, okay? I can't help it. I just can't. Maybe you have too, but I certainly it's have. It's just called critical thinking, Paul. We're critical okay, thinkers. well, that's a better way of packaging it up. So, um, yeah. yeah, critical thinking. So, and and that was one of my initial thoughts. Is this really for decarbonization, really? Or is this a foot in the door, kind of a Trojan horse to get in the door? Because, and and it kind of has come out of the chats that we've had, I'm thinking, and I think BlackRock has been, along with the other big uh, hedge or investment funds, has been buying up lots of property in parts of the world, um, particularly United States, whole suburbs, in fact. And is it unreasonable in your mind to have this scenario, um, you know, in our thinking that if there is a mass ne negative equity situation in New Zealand where property values crash to the point where people are hopelessly in debt, 
is probably no way out. Um, and um, the banks will give them only so long to, you know, to do something. Bearing in mind, you just can't hand back the keys and be done with it in this country. You are always liable for what you owe. Um, that a company or a fund like BlackRock, with its scale, size, resources, money on hand, could come in because the banks would be in trouble then, right? So to yes. avoid a banking collapse, those assets could be taken off the hands of the banks by an entity like BlackRock, who could end up owning a huge amount, proportion of the residential and maybe commercial property as well in this country, basically owning us. Is that is that a like an out there scenario or is that a possibility? That's very possible. It is wow. very possible um, because the government itself is in two months' debt, right? So, of course, it is. Um, they they always do that um, during the global financial crisis as well because you buy something that is worth 30 cents on the dollar or 40 cents on the dollar of its inflated value, let's be honest, and then you lap it up, and then once that's done, you let the price rise. So you create the loss of confidence. You create the collapse. Well, I'm not saying they, BlackRock is directly contributing to it, but you understand what's happening behind the scenes. When the collapse happens, it's like a game of musical chairs, mate. So as I said, it's also our first home buyers who are jumping in now and buying. It's a game of musical chairs. The ones who got um, are still running trying to get a chair. The ones who are going to get in trouble the most. And well, that's the definition of a Ponzi scheme, isn't it? It is a Ponzi scheme. The whole banking thing is a Ponzi scheme. We've just explained it to all our listeners. The money doesn't exist but they lend it to you and banks are the only ones who are allowed to create this fictional, fictional, whatever you want to call it, currency or money out of thin air, lend it to you, charge you interest. In fact, this morning, ASB has also released its profit figures. Um, We could go into that uh, at a later stage, but the whole point is the money's created out of thin air. And they've also said, oh, we're trying to help so many customers. We, we're being proactive in contacting them to say, if you're in trouble, let's let's talk to us. But as I said, it's fictional money on their balance sheet that they did not have in the first place. So they're making sure their balance sheet doesn't go bust. The whole thing is a scam, mate. Banking money right now is a scam <laughs> because money is legal tender, which, as I just said, is not lawful because you and I can exchange something whenever we want to, but the government comes in and says, you can only use our currency to do it, which is legal tender. And now they get to create legal tender out of thin air. Again, another tangent we could go off. I don't know if you read this on the weekend, but the government's actually got a massive fiscal hole. Okay. The sky. I saw that being talked about in a range of 20 to 30 billion people are saying. Well, we don't know because the books get opened uh, just before the Treasury books get opened on the 12th of September. So we won't know what the exact big hole is. Uh, But there's a fiscal hole because the debt is skyrocketing. And there was something, some comment out there saying, Grant Robertson saying, look at me, I'm so good because I'm I'm only spending one billion every fortnight. One billion a fortnight. Yeah, well, that seems seems like a lot to me. (laughs) And, And the other thing the government's also done is they have... Now, again, this is more macroeconomic and understanding how all of this works. But the government's actually given the Reserve Bank of New Zealand $500 million to strengthen its balance sheet. Now, again, it could get complicated. We could explain it later today or in our next chat. But the government is lending $500 million to the Reserve Bank to strengthen its balance sheet. The Reserve Bank's balance sheet is just like every other bank's balance sheet. 
it can create more money fictional digits out of thin air and then the, it it lend those back to the government to buy its bonds so grant robertson gives money to the reserve bank 500 million and they said to defend the currency which they've put in the article so what do they know is going to happen to the new zealand dollar shortly and it's already been dropping for the last week against in fact it's had a three year low against uh, the euro and the british pound and also against the us dollar so what do they know is coming so listeners need to start thinking about these kind of things it's already getting close to the 60 mark again so they've given 500 dollars to the reserve bank they say to defend the currency but again they have to buy more bonds which the government will issue in the next crisis and new zealand unlike some other central banks has no gold okay so i'm getting my head around this the government lends 500 million to the reserve bank mm-hmm. they put that out what to um to what give back to the government to um or or they use that to buy government bonds and then they lend off the bonds do they to so 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 let's 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 think this through remember how i said okay we explained uh, to our listeners a bank's balance sheet it purchases securities so what does the reserve bank do the reserve bank pretty much purchases government securities remember i said during covid the government issues bonds all governments issue bonds yep. anyways yep. it's some are bought by pension funds some are bought by insurance companies so when during covid when the government issued bonds let's say the reserve bank bought them or any government around the world now we could go a little bit into detail because this is what partly caused the collapse of banks in america as well so when let's say if i buy a bond first of all it's a let's say it's a 100 dollar bond paying me 2% interest now it would it, if it was a 5 year bond what it guarantees is my principal is 100 dollars it guarantees me 2% interest on that for the next 5 years that is okay when the interest rates are low but we've seen because of inflation they're saying they're increasing interest rates so fast forward a year from when or a year and a half from when covid was now if you were to issue a government bond today the reserve bank uh, let's say the nigerian government was to issue a bond it's paying 4 or 4 and a half percent interest so if i'm a person buying these i can buy it today for $100 at 4 and a half percent so what happens is essentially i get more return on my money today then if i had bought them a year and a half or two years back right so gotcha. that bond is now worth only 94 dollars or or 95 or 90 dollars because it's only paying me 2% so just like houses where there's interest rates and the value of something is an inverse relationship the same thing applies to bonds because when the bond interest rate goes up the bond value falls down so it's an inverse relationship again a, a, a bit deeper into macroeconomics but this is what happens so most banks have these on their balance sheets because government bonds are seen as safe right and they in europe they legislated to actually own these so in the case of svb silicon valley bank they had a lot of long term treasuries now i'm going to a little more detail the short term uh, government bonds in america they call treasury bills or notes and then the, there's the bonds which is the long term so a 30 year government bond the government promises you if you give me 100 dollars for 30 years i might pay you 4 and a half for one year i might pay you 2 and a half because the shorter the term the less interest you get you're taking more risk over a longer term so what happened was during covid the us government let's say for example had issued all these bonds closer to 0.2 0.25 or 0.3% and then the interest rates in america started rising so these bonds were sitting on the bank's balance sheets 
And now if a bank can actually buy a bond over 30 years for three, three and a half percent, why would I buy that bond of 0.25% and hold it for the next 28 years? So the bank, if it wants to offload it off its balance sheet, that same $100 bond would only probably fetch me $80 or $85. Does that make sense? Because yeah. now for the next 28 years, I'm only going to get 0.25 promised by the government, whereas I could use that same $100 into the market today and get 4 4.5%. So why would I buy something that's going to give me 0.25%, especially in a high inflation environment? That's something I also mentioned last week. Again, going to details, it's called an inverted yield curve. Because the longer you have money, the yield curve is essentially saying how much would it how much interest would you get on a one-year term, on a five-year term, on a 20-year term, or a 30-year term? So the longer your money is out there, that you should get higher interest. And inverted yield is when I'm getting it's happening in America right now, it's happening everywhere. Where on my short-term money on for 90 days, treasury bills, I'm getting four, four and a half percent. But if I give it to the government on a long treasury bond for 30 years, I'm only going to get 3%. So it's yeah, so why would anyone yield. do that? Yeah, but it also tells you that rates are going lower. Yeah, because that's okay, the that's long an term. Yeah, because it's the long term. So it's telling you this is not sustainable, that the short-term interest rates are 4 4.5%. So we're heading towards a recession slash depression, which means the reserve banks will then have to drop interest rates again. So then the short term, because it's only 90 days, could be zero, could be one. So you're better off than going on a long-term one. Again, this is macroeconomics or bond traders and all that kind of stuff. But you got to understand the longer I lend you money, and that's why if you go to a bank also, your short-term one-year, two-year rate will be cheaper than a five-year rate. All right? Right. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. It depends depends on who's buying and who's selling. That That is the big uh, difference in these little things. So what happens is when a government bond is sitting on the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's balance sheet, not only are banks going bust, the Reserve Bank itself is going bust. Because as the Reserve Bank, this is what I'm saying, is what they're telling us, they're lying to us, that they're increasing interest rates for inflation. But when, as they keep increasing interest rates, in New Zealand right now, 5.25, the Reserve Bank itself has government bonds when they were issued at maybe 1, 1.5%, 2%. Okay, So Reserve Bank itself, its balance sheet is going bust as they themselves are increasing the interest rates. So Grant Robertson had no choice but to lend another $500 million to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand to strengthen its balance sheet because it is broke. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, it does. So where does Grant Robertson get the $500 million from? Does he or does the government have to borrow that? Well, they had borrowed it initially, so they had money sitting in a little bank account. As yeah, but that, that's borrowed money. Economy. That was oh. already borrowed money which was borrowed from previous bonds sitting in a what what they call a general account for the government to spend out of, the fiscal spending. So out of that, he's lent $500 million to the Reserve Bank. So the Reserve Bank balance sheet is stronger, and now they can multiply that 10 times over. Okay, and that's what they can then give to the banks and allow the banks to release. Have I got that right? Well, yes and no. Yes, also, because as we just said, when the government's when somebody's buying a government bond, ANZ might buy it or ASB might buy the government bond first and then sell it on to the reserve bank. So then that money essentially goes into ANZ or ASB's balance sheet and ANZ or ASB might then lend it back into the economy when people are buying homes. Okay, That's so the double whammy amplification effect. It gets, see that this right. stage, it starts getting a bit complicated and stuff, but just, just think about they're creating money out of thin air 
by just lending it to each other and allowing themselves to lend nine times more than they have on their balance sheet. So essentially, the government is taking money that is borrowed originally, giving it to the Reserve Bank, which I presume has to pay it back at some point, but so they can, in the end, buy something of the government's. Again, yes. But it's, the Reserve a, Bank doesn't have to ever pay it back. Yeah, but the Reserve Bank never has to pay it back. This is strengthening the Reserve Bank's balance sheet. Um, I, I, as I just said, the Reserve Bank's role, and that's why I explained to listeners initially as well, the government and the Reserve Bank are working together. Let's let's talk about an example in Japan right now. Okay, so mm-hmm. Japan, yeah. we know, is a troubled economy. Since the Nikkei crash in the late 80s, early 90s, the Japanese economy has never recovered uh, about 30 years. They have interest rates down to the floor and their reserve bank is pretty much defending to keep their interest rates down. So why would you buy a Japanese government bond right now if it's only giving you 0%? Nobody, Nobody buys it. So the Reserve Bank of Japan is the only one that keeps buying it because if no... Okay, let me slow down. If there is no buyer... The interest rate has to go up to attract more buyers. So you have to keep increasing the interest rates till somebody buys your bonds. Now in Japan, no one wants Japanese debt. So the Reserve Bank of Japan has to keep buying it. So if there's 100 bonds out there and there's only demand for five, somebody has to buy the other 95. So the Japanese Reserve Bank keeps buying them to keep the interest rates low. Because if they step back and said, we'll only buy 50. Oh, they start to go up. The rates yeah, start the to go up. Yeah, the interest rates have to go Because they've got to sell the unsold. Somebody has to sell them to fund the government. So right. in the Japanese case, it is okay because the Reserve Bank can just cancel the debt against the government. Okay? Because it's only the Reserve Bank of Japan that has lent it to the Japanese okay, government. Okay, so there are no other debtors. No, Japan is generally a creditor nation. People out there save, and their savings are then exported to buy U.S. Treasury bonds. Again, this becomes a big global macroeconomic picture and stuff like that. But in countries like New Zealand and Australia, we have too much debt as citizens ourselves. Yeah, so getting back to the currency, um, to defend the currency, what does that actually mean? He's going to have to go into the market and buy the New Zealand dollar. So as international hedge funds start selling the New Zealand dollar or shorting the New Zealand dollar. Could you explain what shorting is again? Um, Shorting, yeah. So we have bets and derivatives and all of that. So if I think the New Zealand dollar is going to go down, I short it. So let's say it's sitting at 62 cents. Let's. I'm just giving an example. Let's say it's sitting at 62 cents. And I think um, the books, the government books are going to look really bad or our trade numbers are going to look really bad. If I think that that will affect the New Zealand dollar downwards, then I short it, which means before the fact I'm saying it's going to go down. So I place a bet. I'm just gambling. That is what shorting is and longing is. So longing is, let's say if I think uh, our books were going to look really good because we export milk and uh, stuff, if the price of milk was going to go up and all of that stuff, in today's data report, let's say if there's a report coming out tomorrow, and I think the, uh, the, the price or our numbers were going to look good, and I think the New Zealand dollar would go up because of that, then I would long the currency, which means I think it would go to 62.5. So I place a bet. And this is, again, gambling and hedging in the sense. I'm Sorry, how a, do you place that bet, though? How's that done? Oh, I mean, there's I can see in the platforms. poker game, but how, how yeah, is it done? Uh, there's, there's online platforms and there's right. uh, platforms and traders. And so you could call your dealer, your, your ANZ 
eTrader or you might have apps in Australia. I think there's an app called Plus 500 and eToro. So people just gamble on all these stuff, right? So do they establish a threshold by which something happens? They buy or they sell? Is no, they're not buying or selling. There's always counterparty. So let's say, for example, you think tomorrow New Zealand's data is going to be good and you think it's going to go up. Yep. Whereas I think the data is going to be down and the New Zealand dollar is going to go down. So I place a bet. I'm shorting the New Zealand dollar, saying it'll go from 62 to 61.5. And you on the other side take the bet saying it'll go to 62.5. So there's always one of these positions. The problem we have with these positions, mate, is I only have to put down $10 to place a $100 bet. Right. So this is where I don't even need the money. So we saw people in America and stuff which were... Why did Bitcoin go up and all of that stuff as well? There's a lot of this happening behind the scenes, and these are called derivatives. Now, I don't want to go too much into derivatives because yep. I explained yep. this on my third webinar, but the value is derived from the underlying commodity or the asset. So in this case, it would be a New Zealand dollar. But if I think gold is going to go up, but you think gold is going to go down, we're placing bets. So I'm shorting gold and you're longing gold. That's how it is. Or if yeah, I but how do I, how do I get the payoff for that? How does that... Uh, I'm sorry, I'm... No, it's okay. It's, it's just like you're this, betting but... something on a, let's say you're just betting on a game. So let's say, let's just place this, right? So you think oil is going to go up yep. and I think oil is going to go down. I place a bet of $10 to be able to bid on about $1,000 worth of oil. Same oh, at you that can do. price? At, 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 no, no, you're saying it'll go up to that amount. So it shows you when you place the bet, how many barrels you can buy for the amount of capital you're putting forward. Right. But you're not putting, I, I can buy, let's say, $1,000 worth of oil with only $10 worth of a bet. Okay. Yeah. Technically. So now tomorrow, if oil goes up, they give me back $15. Okay. I place 10 bucks or whatever, but it lets me multiply the factor. Now, again, I'm not going to detail because I'll lose people, but essentially yeah. you're gambling a bigger amount with only a small amount of capital at risk. This right. is where it's shorting, longing, and you're hedging all these bets, but you're technically just gambling. You really don't have $1,000 to buy the oil, but it goes down. Now, I just thought of an example right now when we are speaking. Do you know why oil went negative during COVID? Um, no, tell, tell me, please. You still need, oil can't be negative, right? A barrel yeah. of oil. Because you still, still need it. You still need it and you still have to produce it. So to produce anything would at least cost you a dollar. But a barrel of oil went negative during the COVID shock because people had placed bets at certain parts on these oil bets. So it goes negative because there was nowhere to store these oil barrels. They were stuck on a ship and nobody had stored. So if I buy a million dollars worth of barrels of oil, but I have nowhere to keep that oil, now I have to buy them, but where do I keep them? So I dump a million barrels on the market and the price goes negative because of these stupid bets that are placed right. on either end. Okay. Otherwise, why was oil minus, I don't remember what it was, but minus 20, 30 degrees uh, US dollars a barrel? Gee. How can it be negative? So you're going to pay me to take oil off you? Yes, that happened because there was nowhere to store these barrels of oil. Okay, I think I've kind of got the gist of it. Um, so uh, the Reserve Bank is an anticipating um, a, what, a significant devaluation of our of our dollar, are they? Well. That's what they're saying in the article. So they will use some of it to defend the currency. So when people are shorting and dumping the New Zealand dollar, somebody has to go in and buy them, right? 
So that's what okay. So do. as the dollar, they were going as they sold them. off and become available, they can go in with that money. They were going and buy them, so it doesn't maintain some value. Cliff. Yeah. So instead of sixty-one cents, if it starts dropping to 60, 59, 58, 57 in a space of a week, what you don't understand is a lot of these central banks also do a lot of meddling in the markets in the middle of the nights as well. Sometimes <laughs> you'd go to sleep in the middle of the night and you'd be like everything was going fine, and suddenly gold or silver will have a massive drop of twenty or twenty-five dollars, a massive hit. And you think, why would a trader deal in the most illiquid part of the night when there are no other traders? Because if I'm trying to sell you something and I want to sell it for $12, I want to make sure there's at least five people bidding on my trade, right? Yeah. yeah I don't yeah. do it when there's nobody, when everyone's asleep and there's nobody to bid on it. So if I then offer it at 12 bucks and nobody's buying it, it goes to 11, it goes to 10, it goes to nine, nobody's bidding. Somebody then wakes up and goes, oh, I'll buy it at eight. Or somebody's put a stop loss saying, if it hits eight, I'll buy it. So their trade then kicks in and buys that thing. So that this is where central banks do. Again, we're going too deep into this, but the Reserve Bank wants some fire capital because if they've been given 500 million, they could multiply that so many times over. Well, that's 5 billion, isn't it? Essentially. If they you don't exit by 10. That, yeah, but theirs is not openly admitted anywhere that they use a fractional reserve banking ratio of 10 to 1. It's only for the banks, right? They don't openly say where they use those ratios and all of that. You'll never see that. But yeah, okay. you jump on the Reserve Bank of New Zealand's website and just see what they, 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 they're doing there. And also, there's the, as I said, there's an article. So it's to defend the currency, plus they'll be able to multiply it back into the economy. Um, and I, I think about two weeks back, I told people that this was coming also because if the Reserve Bank doesn't keep increasing interest rates, it'll take a hit to the dollar. Well, the bank, the banks have been saying, I've noticed, uh, I think Westpac has come out and said that the OCR needs to go up one more time. Yeah, they're saying so, that because and this is it because of currency as well. Why just one more time? We're sitting at 5.25. It's because the uh, US Federal Reserve increased interest rates again. So as I've explained again, it's global capital flows. If USA can print as much money as they want, and they're the higher interest rate compared to other currencies, I just want to take my capital to America. Why will I give it to New Zealand? I'll give it to New Zealand if New Zealand's offering me five and a half and everywhere else in the world is offering me two and a half. So then I would take it to New Zealand, which then drives the New Zealand dollar up, which is also what I explained because I need New Zealand dollars to buy New Zealand uh, government bonds. Right. Okay. So, so that that demand and the, supply for the currency. Yes. The demand for the dollar. Them. Yes. Yeah. So if why they're giving them five hundred million, I okay. I'm going to just say it out loud. Let's say there's an election coming up. Yeah. The interest Which rate's already five point two five. Yeah. Yep. I'm just saying. Let there's an election coming up. Interest rates go up again. People are in trouble. So maybe the Reserve Bank goes. Let's not increase interest rates on the next meeting. We'll increase it in November, October, whenever the next one is after the elections. Okay? Because remember, they're trying to support the government. So if that happens, the New Zealand dollar starts going down. And they have to interfere and stop it going down. But then you'll have the Westpac and I think ANZ economists come out and say, no, 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 we think it's going to go up on the next one. Okay? We don't know. But if I was to think through the problem, why did they give the Reserve Bank $500 million? The government itself gave the Reserve Bank $500 million. I must have said, hey, mate, can you not increase interest rates on this one? I'm not saying this is oh, happening. So this, is, this could be a political move, actually. Could be. To because calm if they the don't horses, increase. calm the yeah. farm, and give you a better shot at being elected 
as you're being perceived as a useless manager of the economy, people will say, oh, well, they've, that's great. Interest rates aren't this Okay, things are getting better. <laughs> yes, things are getting better because it's not going up again. Inflation's not that strong. For now. For now. <laughs> and then after elections, hey, you can increase <laughs> You can increase them again. They're going to smash is... real hard. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm I'm just because we joined dots here. So I'm seeing five hundred million dollars to support the New Zealand dollar from the government to the Reserve Bank. Okay. Mm -hmm. There's that. Then there is the we'll find out what it is, but the alleged hole quite large. If you um, if you take on the ballpark that people have been talking about, twenty to thirty billion in government finances and BlackRock. Can we link those things together? Um, yeah, I'd leave the BlackRock one out of it, but, but because the BlackRock thing has been in the play for a long, long time. So yeah, but, the, but so that's well. that's where money is. So if yeah. you desperately need money quickly, you make a deal with them. They have enough resources to prop up a country, don't they? They would, yes. They're bigger than most countries' economies. Absolutely. And, and we they're know... buying things on the cheap. That's the aim, right? Buying things on the cheap. So in Ukraine, as I mentioned, there's JP Morgan and BlackRock destroy a country's infrastructure and then go buy farms and stuff on the cheap. Yeah, at, at a country scale. Mm. Yes, exactly. And we're in bed with these people. Remember, Larry Fink said you force behavioral change. You force it. Exactly. He's on tape saying that. Exactly. And as I said, the next thing is your global warming, your climate change, right? India's had really bad floods. Well, well, they all, China's they... had really bad floods. How, how is this automatically all just happening all of a sudden? And and the report on Antarctica yesterday, it came out using very scary language. Of course, it's a continent that no one lives on. So it's hard to know if the reality is, is what's being put forward. So, you know, like I say, we, we join dots here. And I'm just wondering if we can join all those dots. Here's another story that's um, doing the rounds right now, just in the last day or so. And that is the uh, credit card balances, outstanding credit card balances in the US, hitting $1.03 in the second quarter. And that's up from $986 billion in the first quarter. So quite a jump. And it shows that people aren't being lent money in the traditional way because they're bad credit risks, I assume. So people are using their credit cards and that sort of debt to top up because cost of living is is getting squeezed. Is that something we should take notice of? I know it's not New Zealand, but that's a huge, huge amount of money. Yeah, it's happening everywhere in New Zealand as well. So, uh, But the whole thing is, as I said, people are tapping into their savings first, and when they can't, there is no savings, then they have to live off these credit cards or... Uh, predatory payday lending loans and all of that. And some people get into too much trouble. Uh, there's people who pay 20, 30, 40% interest on some of these uh, dodgy loan places. I was just looking at something else this morning. The government had said they look at the buy now, pay later loans um, to mm -hmm. customers. And supposedly the good news, according to them, let me read this out for you. Uh, that this sector, the buy now, the BNPL sector, they call it, currently offering unregulated credit to customers will be brought under the triple, uh, the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, which is triple CFA umbrella. But these loans will be exempt from affordability and suitability assessments. Are you kidding me? So okay, they, you've so got to they bring can it under an umbrella. Not... Yeah, they yeah. can charge as much, and we're not, we're going to bring them under this umbrella. 
to show you we're doing something, but they'll be exempt from affordability and suitability assessment. So it means they're telling you we're not going to check whether these guys are doing the job to make sure you can afford something, which is predatory lending. And that is the whole point is the people who can least afford it are the ones who are using these facilities and they're not going to monitor them to see. So why doing why would job. they do that? It's all games, mate. It's all games. Look, we brought it under triple CFA, but you'd be exempt from seeing if your client can afford to pay something. Yeah, but, but why? Because I remember, you know, uh, when I was in Auckland, one of the issues was those uh, uh, trucks that used to go around the neighborhoods, you know, selling goods to people, and they had predatory loan, um, you know, techniques as yeah. well. Yeah. And, uh, okay, at a smaller suburban scale, this sounds kind of similar or it could go to a similar place let's say and they were hot on that why would you give that industry that sort of break as i said when it comes closer to these kind of things why in america did they have those ninja loans no income no job approved right so they will try and suck in the least well the least educated in the financial sense because they're getting something for nothing right now and Remember, I don't know what that thing used to be called, but there used to be companies that you would just rent a TV for $12 a week. Yeah, I used to do it. There was DTR. That in the fridge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so what yeah. is that, mate? The TV, if you just went and cost it, bought it outright, would cost you 700 bucks. So by the time you give them a rental over the next three years, you've probably paid back two, two and a half thousand bucks to them. Yeah, you could right? buy two fridges or two, so, three TVs. Three, three TVs, right. Yeah. But the whole point is what they're hoping at some stage you made one year worth of payments, but then you might default on one or two of those. So not only have they got your money, but now they come and pick up the TV off you as well. So they are preying on the most vulnerable in society. And that's what it is. And that's why I said musical chairs. Who are the first home buyers? They're the most vulnerable because they're pissed off with landlords who keep throwing them out. Or if they go for an open home and there are 25 other couples looking at the same property and they miss out on one after the other after the other, then they go to hell with their interest rates are high. We're just going to buy a house. Because look, the house price have dropped a little bit anyways, right? So this is it. It is coming to an end and they're going to prey on the vulnerable. That's why the tokenized economy as well, because the people who have a bit of equity in some of the assets will then be leveraged up to use it to buy more stuff or to survive. Yeah, eventually, though, you must run out of everything. Oh, you, of course, you. That's the whole point. I mean, that, that, that whole that story about the U.S. credit card balance, at some point, a lot of those people will not be able to put anything more on those cards. No, they won't. And that is when maybe Joe Biden will come in and forgive that, just like he forgives student loans, right? Which went to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court knocked it back. So they're doing stupid things, but I have to forgive. I, I told people at the start, remember, governments need to default. So they have to get you in too much debt, get you all exhausted paying off all this debt. Then they can blame so you. <laughs> yeah, well, they're going to say, look, we're going to write off all your debt. We're going to yeah. write off all your debt, uh, Paul. So you will own nothing but be happy because now there's no debt, but because they need to write off their debt as well. So they can't just come out and say, we're going to write off our debt. We, we've just screwed up all the government balances and we have no money to ever pay this back to the pension fund. So your retirement savings are all disappeared into thin air. So they have to first get us also levered to such an extent so when the collapse comes, 
everyone loses everything. And remember, it's not just you levering up. As I said, if you have equity in a house and house prices start coming down and you can't sell them in an illiquid market, you are just seeing your retirement disappear, evaporate into thin air. Yeah. If you had 400,000 equity, just became 300, now became 200. Your retirement is just evaporating without you doing anything. You didn't well, it's do anything gone, It's wrong. gone backwards, in fact. You've got less retirement than you ever had. And that's it. And as everything gets more expensive through due to inflation, even if you have that equity, it's going to buy you less because everything's going to get more expensive. When war escalates, which again, we talked about um, 30,000 troops, anyone with, again, half a little thinking brain can see that they're trying to take us to war and this will become a global war. Well, wow. okay. A couple more questions before we wrap it up. Um, do we have any gold at any vaults here? Uh, the central bank doesn't. <laughs> New Zealand doesn't have any. Australia has the Perth Mint, um, but again, they don't have any on their balance sheet, the government balance sheet. Because we got bank. it in the ground. We could We're dig it ground. out of the ground if we wanted it, couldn't we? Um, yes, of course, if we wanted to, but there's private companies that might own this. In, in New Zealand, I think uh, it's not a lot. The mining licenses aren't given because the government doesn't want you to. Uh, there's little bits of it. But in Australia, we have the Perth Mint and all that kind of stuff uh, as well. But Australia doesn't have any on its balance sheet. At some stage, this is the talk of the town and the gold and the precious metals markets is um, Canada is a really big mining country. So is Africa. So is America. That um, if the World Economic Forum plan goes wrong, where they're trying to take us to digital currencies and stuff, at some stage, countries will have no option but to bank back their currencies again by gold. Um, and a country like Canada, which has none on its balance sheet, might just seize the private uh, mining oh, just operations. Take, take just gold. nationalize it. Just nationalize the, say, it's our land. So you might yeah. own shares in a gold mining company, which you might think when, when the SHIT hits the fan, gold will go up. So the mining will go up two times, but the Canadian government could come in and just nationalize the mines. Well, it would, it would be prudent, it wouldn't it, for the New Zealand for New Zealand Inc. to be pulling as much gold out of the ground as possible to hedge against future possibilities and just store it somewhere it here. Be, but then, then if they told you gold, it would be in your well. Remember what we said; it's all about perception. They don't want you to know gold. That's why. In 1971, they also cut the link to gold. And since then, we've been all fiat currencies. Um, that thing on Netflix, um, that little show where they showed where in Euro, the currency in Europe right now, the currency is the Euro, right? Mm. But why do they have gold on their balance sheets? Germany actually, uh, there was an article on the weekend with the German Central Bank, which is called the Bundesbank. Uh, mentioned something, and this is only people who know what they're saying will understand it. They mentioned the gold revaluation account to cover their losses. And in November 2022, the Dutch Central Bank had mentioned a similar thing. So they do have gold on their balance sheets, but it is at maybe 35 US dollars an ounce. So right now, as of today, this morning, it's sitting at about 19 1,930 US dollars an So all they have to do is value the gold, which is already on their balance sheet upwards, and suddenly their balance sheet is strong. What happened in New Zealand? We have none. So the government has to lend 500 million to the Reserve Bank of New Zealand 
to prop up its balance sheet. I, I just can't understand no why we haven't been mining bloody gold for decades like crazy. Because they don't and, want you to know about gold. Oh, dear. Okay. Now, they don't want you to even understand what gold is, mate. Well, everyone know, kind of knows anyway, so it's a dumb sort of game, but okay. Well, in a Western culture, it's not seen as money, right? It's seen as jewelry. It's only the Eastern people who are developing countries who know their governments have screwed them over and over again are the ones who hold on to the gold. In certain countries, gold is Well, look at the history of gold. I mean, that tells you everything you need to know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, a couple of quick things before we wind up. So there seems to be, again, the ongoing crimp on cash. I see Nigel Farage has been talking about that and how that uh, a lot of the UK banks now will only deal with um, up to a maximum of £250 quid of cash. And I think uh, you're going to tell Australia's us... Australia's done that, yeah. Yeah, Australia's done that. Also, they have... Have they come to the end now of the trial period of their digital currency? Am I right on that? Yeah, that's what I was trying to bring to your attention, was uh, supposedly, uh, since the Labour government's come in as well, and this Reserve Bank of Australia had a pilot that was running for the Australian CBDC, and it was running, it started in August 22, and was supposed to be running mid-2023, so they're close to completion, they say, and um, they clearly now use the word tokenized economy. So I have mentioned this, two weeks running, and they're clearly saying tokenized economy because they want automatic settlements of transactions in tokenized assets. That was a direct quote from their article, automatic settlements of transactions and tokenized assets. And the simple thing out there is their trial period has run. So they're running this thing behind the scenes. And they've, as I said, we, ours, was, ours will be called the ENZD. Theirs is already called the EAUD. And what they're trying to say, another statement from that article was highly efficient new digital payment system providing strong data governance and privacy standards based on digital ID. So they're clearly already telling us that privacy standard based on digital ID. So that will be launched behind the scenes for the CBDC. Does that make sense, Paul? And uh, in New Zealand, they've all, uh, sorry, in Australia, uh, another something I caught on the weekend was the banks are now saying, we're not going to, uh, we're not going to let customers withdraw cash at banks. Um, they can withdraw it only at ATMs. There will be certain specialist branches where you might be able to go to withdraw cash, but None of these branches will give you cash anymore. We're sorry. You can withdraw them only at ATM. So if you think about a similar story in New Zealand, what can you withdraw from an ATM? Maybe a grand, two grand. Yeah, there's a limit, right? There's a yeah, limit. exactly. And uh, we knew in the past as well, if anyone's tried going into a bank in New Zealand and said, can I have ten or $15,000? They'll ask you 10,000 questions just to get your own money out and they're going to make it really difficult. This is already the next step in Australia. Uh, I can't believe that they think that they can ask you questions about withdrawing your own freaking money. Well, they can because it ain't your freaking money, Paul. I told you this. You lent it to them. It ain't your money. It's a Okay, so, so they're actually having to pay back a debt to you, but even then. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I mean, what, what if someone turns up at the doorstep wanting, you know, a debt repaid for me? What am I going to do? Ask them what they want to use it for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, crikey. Can you come back in five days' time? We don't have this much cash. I mean, in the, the arrogance of it, the superiority exactly. and arrogance of it is just off the planet. It is, mate. But the whole thing is, as I said, but if you look at ASB's junior profit, 
article this morning was 1.559 billion. So let's just say it's almost 1.6 billion. With them take borrowing money of us, multiplying it nine to one, and then charging you interest on that. It's all magic money and they, they're making such big profits. So I'll just the whole banking system is a scam. The whole money system is a scam. Yeah, I'm picking that up. Okay, just one last question on the cash. They're not um they're not um facilitating cash handling at branches, what? To save themselves money? That's what they would say as well, right? For safety, no one's using it now. Oh, we do it at some branches, but just jump on our website and check which branches you can do cash handling at because those branches are only for complex customers. So if you're a business customer and you need cash and notes and coins for business, we'll help you out. But for the average person, no, because they can reduce their staff numbers. They have automatic uh, ATMs outside. So if you want to deposit money, you can also deposit it through that ATM. You just tell the ATM how much you're depositing. It's happening in New Zealand as yeah, well. I've done right? that before myself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they're just training you to do it all because we're not going to CBDC yet. We might be there in the next year, two years. Um, so this is slow and steady. Get rid of the cash. And Australia is the one who's fast-tracking this whole CBDC project. And they've also banned cash at branches. Okay, so say, not all branches, but they're banded at most yeah, branches. Well, probably enough to make it inconvenient <laughs> to the yeah. average person. Well, I'm thinking, and okay. they've cancelled uh, officially. They've said there will be no checks in Australia from 2030 onwards. Oh, good. And your checks are dead anyways. Remember the good old checks. See how you just? Said oh yeah, it? I used to write good checks, old checks. Yeah, yeah. Just like that, the next generation will say, "Oh, good old cash." This is yeah, how they slowly, right. gradually get it out of your perception. Just like our parents would have said, "Good old gold," a good old silver. Every generation gets to, and we're slowly getting to the CBDC, and there will just be, those guys will say, ah, the good old cash. Okay. Um, so to sum up, are we seeing a speeding up of things, do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's starting to get worse and worse. And um, I don't know if most people would know, but uh, the U.S. as a country had their credit uh, ratings downgraded uh, last oh, right. week. Yeah. yeah what does yeah. that mean? Uh, they've gone from AAA to AA. Uh, so the country itself is at more risk of defaulting. Its fiscal policy is untenable with interest rates going up by the Reserve Bank. So as, I just, as we just explained through all of this with the government being able to, if no one's buying your bonds, interest rates have to go up. So what the ratings agency is essentially saying is the U.S. government debt is more risky it is still the safest bet because they are the global reserve currency, but it's more risky. I would ask anyone listening to this, just go into your Google browser and type, uh, type in usdebtclock.org. That's oh, usdebtclock.org. Yeah, I've, I've um, the, the display in New York City racing. Well, is so they're 32 trillion, 32 and a half trillion in debt. And it wow. shows you what the income is. So let's say as a government, as I just said, you tax in, your incomings are 2 trillion, but your outgoings per year, just at 5%. What, what What's America at? 5%, right? 5.5%. Yeah, 5% well, on 30 trillion. The interest rate debt alone is 1.5 trillion that it has to pay. Then it has to do defense spending where it's trying to do with the army and the wars and this and that. Then it has to pay pensions to its uh, retired yeah. people and all oh, that, dear. plus infrastructure, all that. So if you're spending four and a half or five trillion a year, but you're only getting tax receipts of two or two and a half trillion, you're going minus three trillion just to stand straight, just to stand still. 
You they can't go on forever, can it? No, it's no. not. And that is why the country has been downgraded. But this is funny. There's three of the biggest ones. S&P had already downgraded uh, the U.S. government after the global financial crisis. And S&P had got a slap on the wrist for that, indirect ways they have of doing this. This was Fitch who did it last week to the U.S. government. So Moody's, which is the third biggest one, decided not to do anything. But instead, they just downgraded 10 small and mid-sized U.S. Back, uh, banks uh, instead. Uh, okay. And these are some big names as well. So again, they, 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 are, they are letting you know in advance and downgrading banks, medium-sized banks. The government is being downgraded. There's science to see everywhere, Paul, as I said. If you just know what's coming. Uh, another one. Uh, I don't know if people have heard of the Yellow uh, Yellow Corp, which yeah, is the, the truck uh, company. Yes, it's US, uh, the USA's third largest trucking company, just filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, and it's the biggest or the largest bankruptcy in US history. And the business has been around for 100 years, mate. Yeah. And it's just gone. 30,000 employees, 30,000. Yeah, yeah. But what was it? The assets, the assets are 1 billion. Their liabilities are 10 billion. Now, as I, again, I think last week or the week before, I said there's a lot of these junk, uh, what, they, what they call them is zombie companies that have taken out too much debt when interest rates were close to 0 or 1%. And now suddenly if you have to pay 6 or 7%, you go bust because you can't even pretend that you can pay the interest, let alone the debt off. And now can you see how countries will also go broke? Yeah, because I can. Yep. as I've just told you, if there's no tax revenue of two trillion, but your payments are four and a half trillion, unless you raise trash taxes tremendously, you have to default on your debt. It'll be a debt jubilee, but they can't do it right now. They have to first crash the system and say, for your good, we're going to write off all your debt so you can be happy. I can't wait to be happy. Okay. <laughs> Well, let's end on that note, and I guess we now know the answer. I know the answer really to my question of what was Jacinda Ardern doing walking out of BlackRock. I kind of know the answer to that now, I think. Anyway, Farzan, another fascinating chat. Thank you so much. And, boy, if things are moving this quick, we'll have plenty more to talk about in a week's time too, probably. Yeah, most definitely. I think most definitely, mate. I'll do some more research so I can get some interesting uh, information for our listeners. Fantastic. Let's catch up again in a week. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Brent. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.